Well, hello, hello, everyone. I am so grateful that we're going to spend the next few moments together. I confess I have a lot of my heart I want to share, so I trust that Jesus will help me skinny up what's on my heart and that my words will be only the words that you need to hear. Today I want to share a story with you. It's a powerful story, and it's a story that emulates every realm of life. So it's a story with heartache and tragedy and love and evil and light and dark and hope and healing. It's the story of Esther. It's found in the Old Testament. It's a short book, only about ten chapters. I encourage you to read it sometime. As for now... I'll just give you the highlights. And I freely confess that the character in this story that I am most taken with is the one whose name is never mentioned. Esther opens with the king. King Xerxes is wealthy. He's throwing a feast. He's drunk. All the men with him are drunk. And he sends for his queen but with a very unusual command that she comes with her crown. And in that day, that meant she would come and parade before the king and the men with only her crown. The eunuch goes to the queen. Queen Vashti is an elegant woman, a dignified woman. It's been a political marriage. At the time, she's having a feast for young women who look to her as their role model. They're in awe of her. The eunuch comes. Queen, the king is demanding that you come to the banquet. Can you imagine the conversation? Is the king drunk? Yes, queen, he is. And the men with him, are they drunk as well? Yes, queen. Only in my crown? Yes, queen. You can feel that whether she has yielded to that command many times or if this is the first time, her identity shifts. And she's not just the queen of the king, but she's the queen of these women. She feels the weight of these young women watching her knowing full well the price she will pay, she says, no, I will not come this time. The men are angered, they're furious, they're enraged, they're afraid that now their women will begin acting in such a way. And that's the end of Queen Vashti. She's kicked out of the palace. The next scene brings forth a village girl named Esther. To replace the queen, they have sent out an edict that all the beautiful girls of the village come forth. They will shift through them, sift and sift and sift, to see which ones may have palace potential. Esther is among those. Eventually, she is chosen as the queen, but the journey has been difficult. You see, Esther was an orphan. We don't know how she lost her parents. 
We don't know where her siblings are. We don't know anything about her family, except there is only one who stepped forward to take care of her, an Uncle Mordecai. We don't know what heartache was hidden in her heart. What we do know is that she had to give up everything. The process of being palaced meant that she had to change the way she even took a bath, fixed her hair, the food she ate, the language she used, her styles, her customs, her rhythm of the day. She had to die and leave behind everything she had known in life. And the only thing she could keep of her old life was the treasure of her faith. But even that she kept private. She was the favorite of the king. There's another character in this story. His name is Haman. He is ambitious to a fault, willing to do anything, to rise the ladder to be the second in command to the king. He demands honor. He demands respect. The other character is Mordecai, Esther's uncle. He left the village when she left the village. When she came to the palace, he came to the palace. He knows he cannot talk to her and interact with her, but every day, this faithful, father-hearted man would go to the courtyard just so Esther would know she's not alone. And that if ever she needs him, he's there. He was a silent comforter. But when Haman would walk through the courtyard, everyone bowed except Mordecai. This went on day after day, and finally Haman was furious, and he played his hand with the king, claiming that the Jewish people in the land were a danger to the kingdom and they should be dealt with and eliminated. Knowing also in his heart that would mean eliminating Mordecai. He was so confident, he even had gallows built, so that in the right moment he could hang Mordecai in delight in watching him swing in the air. His plans came to the attention of Mordecai. Mordecai sends a note to the queen, she now understands why her uncle has been in sackcloth and ashes in the courtyard that day. The note simply reads, Our people will be annihilated. You will not be spared. I know that God will raise up someone, but who knows? Maybe it's you. Maybe you're in the palace for such a time as this. Esther has not seen the king for 30 days. She knows that if she goes into the king uninvited, she can be killed. But somehow in these months, she has become a different woman. Whatever wounds were there from being orphaned and jerked out of her village seem to have fallen off. And she comes forth as a humble but courageous woman. She sends the note to Mordecai, have everyone pray. 
so that I'm not doing this alone. I need all of you. We must be in oneness for this. Read this story. She develops a stunning strategy that was used only once in all of the Bible. In the midst of her strategy, there is one night when the king cannot sleep. So he asks for the history books to be read. It happens, if you will, to fall upon a story of when a plot to assassinate him was thwarted. He said, did we ever reward that person for saving my life? No, king. Who is it? Mordecai. So he calls in Haman and says, Haman, I have a man I want to really honor. What would you do if you really wanted to honor someone? Haman's arrogance fooled him. He was so sure it was going to be him. He described an elaborate celebration. It was Mordecai. In the days that unfolded, Haman's plot was revealed. The king was furious that someone would dare threaten his queen. Haman is punished by being hung on the same gallows that were there for Mordecai. Esther and Mordecai are honored. The Jews are free. Scripture says they become light, that the oppression and the fear and the anxiety and the dread falls off of them. And that they are rejoicing. Mordecai is now second to the king. And they felt in their heart that they should celebrate this great thing in a feast called Purim, which means lots. It's when Haman threw lots to choose the day of his edict to eradicate them. And then they felt, this is so wonderful. We must celebrate this forever and ever and ever. And even today, Jews all over the world celebrate Purim. And when they come together, there is a rejoicing, a gladness, a singing, a dancing, and a lifting of their voice. Blessed be Mordecai. Not just the man, but blessed be all the times when we have been blessed and cared for and protected. Blessed be all the times when the blessings of God have come upon us. And then they lift their voice and they say, blessed be Haman. What? Blessed be evil. What? I. Blessed be the evil that awakened us to return to our identity and our faith and our triumph. Blessed be Mordecai. Blessed be Haman. The story is resplendent with truth from analyzing the impact of leadership styles and, and looking at character traits and character development through the story. It's fat with truth for our everyday life. But for me, the story doesn't end with Esther. 
You see, I look beyond. When I look at the Bible, I picture a cross right between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I picture the sun rising in the book of Revelations. The sun, the brilliant, glorious Son of God, full of light, rising. And that sun rising and casting a shadow upon the cross, a long shadow that falls over the Old Testament. For I believe everything in the Old Testament gives us hints of the Messiah to come and teaches us his ways and even shows us in minuscule some of the character traits that he, the Savior himself, will carry. I think Esther is an example. She was wounded, not understood, and then she left everything of the village and everything of her world behind, and so did Jesus. He was never really understood, and he left everything of heaven behind to come here, to come love us. And when the people were afraid and evil was coming against her people, she risked her life for them. Jesus did that. And yet, if I let the shadow of the cross and who Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah is, if I just lay that blueprint over Esther, there is a change in the story. The Jews are still free. They are awakened. They are revived. But the Jesus I know would have walked up to Haman and said, Son, you need a second chance. You've been evil and hateful. You need time to discover the love of God. Stand here, son. And Jesus would have walked. He would have walked to the gallows. He would have put the noose around his neck and Jesus would have been the one dangling in midair. For while Jesus came for every Jewish person, he came for all the rest of us. He came to lift off of us the impacts of all the Hamans in the world. If you've grown up in this world, you've had at least one moment when someone with darkness in their heart wounded you in some way. And we all have had times when we've had a Haman in our own heart and we've not been loving. We all bear upon our marks uh, the wounds of growing up in an ungodly world and sometimes acting kind of ungodly. And We need the healing that Esther had and we need the second chance that Jesus would have given even a Haman. Jesus comes to set us free 
so that we can awaken to our true identities, sons and daughters of God, and we can be light and walk free and full of love and forgiveness and hope. And Jesus came so that all of us could have a sense of oneness as sons and daughters of God, and all of us could receive Yeshua, Jesus Messiah, and his sacrifice on the cross to lift everything of Haman out of us and off of us that we may love and be one. I agree. <laughs> I agree 100% with my Jewish brothers and sisters who during Purim say, Blessed be Mordecai. Blessed be Haman. Ah. But I would also say, Blessed be Yeshua. Blessed be Jesus, our Jewish Messiah who has come to set us all free. And to give us all a great turnaround. And to give us all our true identity. The power to walk in it. And the power of hope. So my friends, I pray for you. I pray that you will have the power to receive all the love Jesus has for you. And that that love will just drench you with rivers of life until every wound, every impact of Haman and any Haman thing you've ever done is just washed away like it never happened. And I pray he showers you with such love right now that you really are made new and you are awakened to a higher realm of your identity. Arise. You're a daughter of the Most High God. Arise. You're the son of the Most High God. And oh my, how he loves you. And will do anything for you. My friend, if you happen to be by yourself while you're listening to this, and you wish you just had some kind of an agreement or someone to talk to or celebrate with. This may sound a little strange, but no matter what country you're in, go to YouTube and search Famous For. Search the song, Do What You Are Famous For, by Taryn Wells. Because I pray that in this very moment, he will do for you what he's famous for. So it's Purim. Blessed be Mordecai. Blessed be Haman. And oh, blessed, blessed, blessed be Yeshua, Jesus the Savior.